names like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Anthony Irwin. Like this guy here. His name is Fagan. Harrison Fagan. Welcome back to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin. Harrison Fagan is once again out. Uh, he stubbed his toe on a piece of paper. That is what we're going with today. Uh, he's he's nursing a serious, serious stubbed toe issue. So we'll uh, we'll have to go one more week without him. In his place, we are uh, recording today to preview the Lakers and Suns game. Uh, I'm joined today by Gerald Borgay. He is the lead uh, lead Phoenix Suns writer for uh, PHNX Sports. Uh, and then he co-hosts the PHNX uh, Suns podcast. PHNX is actually uh, set up by the same people who do DNVR. That person is Adam Mattis. So if you guys are fans of... Uh, Adam's coverage of the Nuggets or Adam's NBA coverage, you guys should check out PHNX. Uh, it's 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 a lot of the similar vibe, and I enjoy all of it. So, uh, Gerald, thank you very much for hopping on. How you doing, bud? Doing great, Anthony. Thanks for that nice introduction. You know, I, I every so often I have to say something nice about Adam. Like just just like <laughs> once, it's like once a month I have a quota. Um, but no, I'm I'm really excited. You know, you guys are already underway and. And uh, the last I saw, I think I saw a press release that you guys are already killing it. That doesn't really surprise me at all. So uh, I'm happy to hear it. Um, I want to start here with this uh, Suns-Lakers discussion. I think of the fan bases that enjoyed the, uh, you know, last night, opening night the most, it was obviously the Bucks that get their ring and then they beat the crap out of the Nets. And then I think it's a tie between the Warriors and the Suns because the Suns have been hearing after they got to the finals all about how, you know, they're just kind of cast aside and the Lakers are the favorites to come out of the West. I would imagine, you know, you guys watching that game last night was, was, was kind of enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you as not being a huge fan of a lot of what the Lakers did this summer, um, just in terms of, of basketball personnel, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I had this running joke because that image of uh, Andre Drummond and LeBron James from that playoff game, the last time the Lakers won, I, I mean, I, I've done it like the last week or so, <laughs> just tweeted that picture and like, it's been this many days since the Lakers have last <laughs> won a game Yeah, and Suns fans just eat it up every single time. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can imagine that Suns fans were, were pretty excited about the way that that season opener went. Hey man, I'm always here for Schadenfreude and pettiness. Like if we can't, <laughs> if we if we aren't allowed to talk crap to fan bases that we don't like or teams that we don't like, then what are we even watching sports for? But exactly. I'm actually I'm glad you started with the with the acquisition that the Lakers made, the roster that they put together, and so on that the the last time the Lakers won, uh, when LeBron and Andre took that that Spider Man meme picture, um, that. Yeah. That was a team that was, you know, playing pretty well. And, and uh, you know, the, the, they, I believe, um, won that game pretty handily and, and looked to, to that they might be able to turn a corner in that series. And then the wheels fell off, right? Everybody got hurt, and then, and then they, they carry on from there. So I'm just kind of curious, comparing that roster 
from the series that Phoenix won that series in to this current roster, this iteration of the Lakers, which of those two teams do you think will scare you more? And then, and then by extension, which do you, which of those two teams do you think the Phoenix Suns would have rather not faced this season? Yeah. I mean, I think it's gotta be last year's team that the Suns would have rather not faced compared to this year's team. Um, you know, you look at how the Lakers had success over the last few years and, you know, they surrounded LeBron and AD with shooters, with defensive guys, with guys who could cut. And you look at this roster and it's a lot of guys who kind of like need the ball in their hand and the spacing is going to be problematic. Like I, I remember there was one lineup that was like, it was like Kent Bazemore and Russ and like Dwight and AD. And I was like, what are, what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> in terms I was of like. I was hoping What's not to have to think on? about that lineup again. Like, <laughs> <So> sorry, <laughs> but like, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I feel like Frank Vogel is a pretty good coach, but he's got to know that this is like, is this just opening night experimentation or like, what are, what are we doing here? Um, I, I feel like from the sun's perspective, you know, the Lakers got a lot older, they got less shooting. Um, there's still going to be a good defense because when you have guys like LeBron and AD and, and Dwight on the interior, like you're still going to be a pretty good defense, but I, I just feel like they're, I don't know if they're going to be able to match up with the sun's depth and, and just, um, you know, youth spryness, athleticism, yeah. whatever you want to call it in a, in a potential series. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, Mostly agree with that. Like just in terms of, and, and like the, the, the thing that I kind of need to point out here is that I, I wasn't a fan of the Russell Westbrook acquisition, right? Eventually mm -hmm. you kind of talk yourself into it because to a certain extent, we're all homers. So you're just like, well, this is how it might look if it works. And then last mm -hmm. night it was a reminder of like, oof, that's what it looks like if it doesn't work. <laughs> and, right. um, and, and, and then, you know, it was kind of compounded like you're talking about with some of the lineup decisions, some of the coaching decisions that they made. Um, my, my galaxy brain take is that that was Vogel telling some of those guys through action, like, all right, you guys want this lineup? Well, here's how we know it's not going to work. And, 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 and you kind of got to show them that, that they can fail before, they're just kind of talked into buying into certain things. It sucks that that's sometimes how it has to go. And it might just be that Vogel actually thought it was going to work. And in which case I'm terrified, but um, <laughs> with, with the Phoenix suns, um, I, I, I actually super agree with the idea that they would have rather faced this version, a more top heavy version of the Lakers, especially if Russell Westbrook is like that, that third guy who's paid like a star rather than a more balanced roster because when the Lakers were at their best, you know, just in terms of team construction last year, they were a version of the Phoenix suns, right? It was, it was, uh, so, you know, a couple athletic wings. It was uh, smarter guards. You had an interior presence in Anthony Davis and Deandre Ayton. And, and then you had your kind of, captain you know pilot type of players in in lebron and chris paul and then like the separating factor if phoenix was really going to raise their ceiling to a place where the lakers might not have been able to reach it was always devin booker right and and so like it, for for me for my money if i was rooting for or, or building uh you know the phoenix suns i would look at what the lakers did and, and feel like they kind of left them 
they, they, they gave them a little bit bigger margin for error here, the Phoenix Suns. And I'm, I'm kind of curious, just based on what you're hearing and, and in your coverage of, of the Suns, is that a sentiment that they share? You know, I, I really do think, and I know that this is totally cliche, and I feel like every team says this, but I really do think that they are the one team that kind of just focuses on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think, like we asked Chris Paul about, you know, how well DeAndre Ayton did against Nikola Jokic because they got the Nuggets tonight. Um, so we asked about that, and he was basically saying, like, yeah, it should give him some confidence about how he held up against the league MVP, but, like, the name of the game in this league is what have you done for me lately? So mm-hmm. I feel like when you have a guy at the very top and Monty's kind of the same way, you have a guy at the top who's not going to let you think about last season, good or bad. Um, I, I just don't think that they're going to be caught up in what they did last year. I, I mean, obviously they were pumped to like win a playoff series and, and beat the defending champs and all that. But I, I don't think that they are a team that's like, really thinking about the Lakers until it's, you know, today we are playing the Lakers. So here's what we need to be thinking about that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Th- I, I mean, that's just my take. I, no, I it think, makes sense. Yeah. Cause I, I think, you know, and especially if we ask them about it, you know, they're going to say like Russell Westbrook, <laughs> he's a tremendous athlete, like MVP. Yeah. They're, they're going to throw out his, you know, achievements and career resume without actually saying how it like impacts what the Lakers do as a team. So um, yeah, I, I, I still think, I think if privately, if we actually got their real thoughts on it, they would be like, yeah, last year's team was, was definitely scarier matchup wise for us. Hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, it, it's so funny the way that basketball and, and just sports teams in general, just kind of refuse to say anything that might give <laughs> anybody extra incentive as if like, the extra, like the Lakers, if they heard that they would have rather faced the last year's iteration of the team compared to this year's, the Lakers would all of a sudden want it more. Like, yeah, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I've never understood that about about sports. Um, you mentioned Aiton and and his relationship with Chris Paul and 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 all of that. You know what's coming here. What, what is going on there? Like, <laughs> the, the the Lakers have. Uh, one of the best centers in the league who doesn't want to play center. The, the Suns have one of the best young centers in the league who wants to play center and doesn't, they don't appear to want to pay him. What, what's going on there? Yeah. I mean, it's a, am I allowed to curse on, on the show? Oh yeah. Go for Is it. That, it's a shit show over here, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, and, and I, I think that the team itself is doing a good job on just staying focused, but like the kind of narrative storm that's surrounding this whole situation is not, is not ideal for a team that should be like, we should be celebrating like sons are a young team. They just went to the finals. Like what can they do this season? And instead it's like, how are they going to botch this situation? Because <laughs> now they just pissed off their number one pick who let's be honest, market value should have gotten a max contract. I think in a vacuum, he's probably not a max guy. If you just look at the guys who have gotten that designated extension, Mm -hmm. uh, rookie extension, he's not in that same class aside from like Andrew Wiggins, who we all make fun of that contract for. But like, I, I think if you look at what MPJ got from the nuggets, DA's people were right to hold out for the deal that they wanted the five-year max and the Suns reportedly were only willing to go three or four year max, which is like a difference of about 40 million when you look at four years versus five. So 
it, it's just unfortunate that this is the situation. And this is a guy who like at media day for the first time overtly mentioned that he sacrificed last year. Like that's clearly agent speak, like pointing out, Hey, I sacrificed. We went to the finals pay up for me. Mm-hmm. And then he overtly said, like, I don't really like my big man role. Like he mm-hmm. said, you know, he's always talked about like, I used to love playing the four at Arizona and, you know, I would oh, love God. to share the, yeah, I would love to share oh, the no. four with, with JaVale <laughs> McGee. And we're just like, no, please, please. No. Um, and it's rough because this is a guy that normally you want your number one pick to do more to say, you know, I want to do more on offense. I want to take more threes and I want to expand my game. But in this context, like DA is very good at what he does by focusing on defense and the boards and putbacks and strong screen and rolls, strong dives, rim running, all that good stuff that makes him effective. And that's what put him in this position to even want a max contract. And that'd be a realistic thing. So it's a mess. He hasn't spoken to us in uh, we've had shoot around this morning and two media sessions. He hasn't spoken to us in that time. Hopefully we'll hear from him tonight and maybe be able to move on from this, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's it's always weird with bigs who, when they're coming up in the league, do the kinds of things that make them super valuable and, and actually probably below market value. Like they're, they're great values because they're doing these things that make them uh, extremely valuable. And then they get paid and they become lesser players because they start focusing on, on things that make them less valuable. It's the weirdest, it's the weirdest trend we see. We, I would love to see a big, and I was actually, I think I tweeted this out at one point, during last year's playoff run was that like, I really hope Aiton is the rare big that just sticks to the things that make him super valuable. It's just really difficult where, where like maybe he has it in him to where he can become, you know, closer to cat on offense where you or, or Jokic on offense where you can use him as more of a facilitator and put his back to the basket and all those things. But that is an extremely rare type of player, and he's already so good at those things. I'm, I go, I pull my hair out all the time with Anthony Davis, right? That's why when you said he was looking to play more four, he really enjoyed playing more four. I was like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just you gave know, you PTSD. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, Sarver's onto something with, with maybe wanting to give him a shorter term contract. It's just, it's difficult because, because, you know, it's hard to tell a young guy, Hey, don't expand your game. But to a certain extent, sometimes with younger guys, they have to realize that the ways that they want to expand their game isn't, doesn't always make them more efficient players. It just means they get to have more fun on offense. Um, right. Is, is with, with eight though, do you think this is the kind of thing that can hang over the, the season? Like, is this, do you, does he become a malcontent? Like, how does that work out? Yeah, that's the big question because this is a guy that going into training camp and media day and all that was basically saying like, I want to do more. I want that. He said he was telling coaches some of the things that he wanted to do more of. Um, And I think if anyone can handle this situation, it's a person that can manage egos and personalities like Monty Williams. It's just unfair that he now has this extra thing on top of his plate in a season where like, let's be honest, last year they were up 2-0 in the finals and a couple of things didn't go their way. They lost very on the margins and, and Giannis was a God. And so they spent the summer kind of addressing some of those margins. They got a backup five in JaVale McGee, who's like mm-hmm. a legit backup five instead of kind of, you know, that small ball five like Dario. 
Um, you know, they, they added extra playmaking and ball handling with Landry Shamit. Like they addressed those margins and now they have this shit to deal with. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's one of those things where Monty's going to have to walk a fine line between, you know, getting DA a little bit more touches, but also getting him to do the dirty work. That is what made him so effective and made the Suns team so effective. Cause like they were the seventh ranked offense last year. They don't need DA to suddenly become this pick and pop big to be effective on that end. Mm -hmm. They need him to buy into his role and maximize it like he did last year. Um, and that's going to be tough because, you know, Mikhail Bridges gets the bag and he's the guy that Monty said, like, we see him as more of a third option this year. How long mm -hmm. is DA going to see that and be doing the dirty work and being like, look, I sacrificed last year and I didn't get rewarded. Now, like, I kind of want to get my own so that I can get the bag this summer and ironically winds up hurting himself because he doesn't have that in his game. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a mess really. It, I would really hope, I mean, agents never do this because at the end of the day, they want to continue to remain employed by their, the, the player that they represent. But like to a certain, somebody in the camp needs to say, if you, if you want to get the bag, keep doing the things that you, you did to, to, mm -hmm put your team in that situation but there again in in you know to what you're saying with Aiton he did those things and he didn't and it didn't get him the bag so I don't All know right. how I don't I don't like to you know while while he's saying hey I sacrificed I did all those right things I should be rewarded now you're now because of that the Suns are basically forcing his hand to like do some of the wrong things that have gotten players paid his story. I, I don't know. The whole yeah. thing's a mess. Um, is, mm -hmm. is I, I want to segue awkwardly back to the Lakers and Suns matchup that they had last year and the run mm -hmm. that the Suns went on. And I know that Suns fans listening to this um, are going to roll their eyes at what I'm about <laughs> to say, but like we would be remiss if we didn't mention the injuries that other teams incurred while the Suns went through the Western Conference. Now, uh, you know, availability is the greatest ability. And mm -hmm. the fact that the Suns were able to stay healthy is in and of itself a strength of the roster. So, like, I'm not, I, I don't want to sound like I'm completely discrediting that run, but I'm trying to figure out how to balance when I'm talking about this team. And, 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 I'm saying that this is on par with the other questions across the Western conference. So I'm not even saying that I'm knocking down them down a peg or anything like that, but with Phoenix, how do I balance some of those circumstances with how good I know that the roster is, I know it's a really good team. I'm just trying to figure out like how much of their success last year had to do with those circumstances. And, and, and if I'm trying to analyze moving forward where they're at, so how have you balanced that out for, for yourself in trying to figure out where they stand in another loaded Western conference. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, I think like heading into that Lakers series, I knew that obviously AD and LeBron were kind of were banged up or at least, you know, they had just gotten back like a week or two before the playoffs started, whatever it was. So I still pick Suns and six, not knowing, you know, Chris Paul was going to get hurt in game one, not knowing AD was going to get hurt. in what was that game four? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I still had sons in six, obviously I'm, you know, in Phoenix covering the team. So yeah. a little bit, I would naturally lean a little bit more that way, but I still thought that the Suns would be the better team given everything we knew going into the series. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it, you know, I got lucky with my sons in six pick because that was a roller coaster of emotions from game to game. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I think that this is a legit team. You know, you look, you go back to the start of the bubble. They have the best record in the NBA since that time. Um, they had, I think, the third or fourth best point differential. They had the best record against winning teams during the season. Um, you know, top 10 offense, top 10 defense, all of the indicators that you look for for a potential championship team were there. Yep. I definitely think that, you know, obviously if AD doesn't get hurt, that's a much tougher series. Um, you know, a lot of Suns fans like to point out that like Chris Paul basically was playing on one arm for the first three and a half games or so of mm-hmm. that series before he kind of shook it off and, and did what Chris Paul does. Um, but yeah, their path to the finals was obviously a lot easier than, you know, any other year than any year you could expect. Uh, and that's why the sting of like going up to in the finals and not being able to finish it hurt so much because like it felt like the stars were aligning as far as like, yeah, you don't want anybody to get injured. Yeah, you don't you want to beat teams at their best. But like if you win a championship, you win a championship. <laughs> so yeah, like the fact that they were unable to do that in a year where it felt like all the stars are lying, I think it's going to be much more difficult this year, obviously, for them to kind of replicate what they did last year. But I do think um, they have continuity on their side in a way that a lot of teams don't. They have health because you look at the Nuggets, Jamal Murray, we don't know when he's going to be back. Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard, we don't know when he's going to be back for the Clippers. And the Lakers, like we mentioned, like, I don't, I think the Suns were more worried about last year's Lakers team than this iteration. And of course they have a lot of time to figure it out. We're, you know, we're opening night. These are opening night talks we're having right now. Um, But I think that if they can manage this DA situation, they should be the favorites in the West, just based on the fact that this team like churns out wins. It knows how to win dirty. It knows how to win close games. Um, and it knows how to beat good teams. So I feel like they should be the favorites in the West. Um, but, you know, we're not going to pretend like their path wasn't a little bit easier. I think they still could have gotten there. But obviously, you know, you're not sweeping the Nuggets with a healthy Jamal Murray. You're probably going to game seven against a fully healthy Clippers team. And I think they beat the teams that were in front of them. But I think they still could have if everybody had been healthy. Yeah, it, that's it's it's really a balance that I'm trying to figure out there. Like, I'm not even asking from the perspective of like, I don't trust them because of those circumstances. It's like, mm-hmm. how much do I factor into my analysis? Like, how much do I factor those circumstances into the analysis? And and I legitimately don't know. It's it's like I've been you know, I've been saying this on on um, on this feed basically for all of this offseason. It's that every single team has some question to answer, right? Like for Phoenix, it's that it's, it's how much of last year was, was circumstance based. And then now you have the eight and stuff on top of that. But you know, there, there seems to be like, you're talking about a legitimate answer. Like no, statistically they were good even before people, you know, teams started falling apart. And that's, and that's a, that's a a great way to answer it. The Lakers, it's like, how is LeBron and Russ going to work? Well, the first step in, in answering that didn't go so well. So, so, yeah. you know, they, they have to, they have to embark on that process of a process of answering those questions. And then, you know, Milwaukee has the Kyrie stuff. Philly has the Ben Simmons stuff. 
Denver has whenever they're going to get Jamal Murray back and what version of him are they going to get? Uh, Golden State, when are they going to get Clay Thompson back and what version of him is he going to be? Like, that's what, what makes this entire season so exciting is the fact that there is so much unknown. Like, I, I, I love scanning through all of the season previews that either national writers put together regarding the league as a whole for like broader spectrum type conversations. Or I, what I really enjoy doing is seeing how local, you know, people who cover the team locally, how they feel about it. And everybody is, is just kind of throwing their hands up and they're like, yeah, we, the team that I'm covering might be pretty good, but I have no idea. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, So, so like, you know, just to, just to kind of put a bow on the conversation about Phoenix, it's like, yes, they have their question, but, the answer to their question, I feel, or I would, if I was covering the team or a fan of that team, I would feel more confident in my ability of answering that question um, than just about any team, especially in the West, might feel about their ability to answer the question that they're facing this season. So, it does. Does that make sense? Like, is is no, is that a general? It does. Yeah. yeah, no, it does because you you look around the league, like you were saying, like Philly, Brooklyn, in turmoil with a star player right now. Milwaukee is looking about as dangerous as anybody. And then you look well, like it wouldn't surprise me if it was Bucks Suns again in the finals, just because these other teams have much bigger question marks than the ones facing the sun. Cause like some people were asking me, like, do you see like something similar going down with DA that's going on with like Ben Simmons right now? And like, no, I, <laughs> I don't yeah. see it getting that bad. I, I think, you know, him not talking to us for a couple of days is just a young player being disappointed and wanting to take his time before he, you know, goes public with whatever he's thinking. So I, I think this is one of those things where the culture that the Suns have created, and I can't believe I'm saying this considering where they were just like three or four years ago, but like the culture they've created protects against this type of thing. And I think like you're saying, the question marks around them are a lot smaller than some of the ones facing these other contenders we're talking about. Yeah. What if I was to tell you that right now, it Woj is reporting that DeAndre Ayton is signing with Clutch. <laughs> then I would start sweating profusely. <laughs> I'd be very concerned. Just for those of you listening, it didn't actually happen. I just, it's just the question <laughs> I have to ask. <laughs> um, all right. Last thing before we get you out of here. So the, the Suns and the Lakers are facing off uh, on Friday night. And um, I, I obviously, I, if I were a Phoenix Suns fan, I would feel a lot more confident about the Suns heading into that game than uh, the Lakers do. But is there an outcome of that game that would, you know, get you to rethink some of what you were thinking heading into the season, or would it just be one of 82? I think for me, it'd just be one of 82. And obviously it's probably not for these guys on either team because, you know, the Lakers are going to want to get their revenge for the way that their season ended. And mm-hmm. the Suns are very cognizant of, of that. <laughs> um and they're also a team that, you know, they, they want to win all, all 82 games. Like they're that, they're just that type of team. And it's kind of unfortunate because you hope Chris Paul rests a little bit this season, but yeah. he's not going to want to. Um, but no, I, I think on both teams, like even for the Suns, they have continuity on their side. It should be a game that they win because the Lakers are still in their very early stages. They got a lot of new faces, a lot of guys uh, that they need to figure things out. I don't, Trevor Reza is still not back. Am I correct on that? No, yeah, he's 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 yeah. out for another probably month and a half or so. 
Yeah. So I, I think this is a game the Sun should win, but if they don't, I think they chalk it up to being one of 82 and the Lakers, you know, having that revenge motivator, you know, if the Lakers blow them out, maybe we could talk, but I, I just see that being a very competitive game. Um, one of those early season games that like matters now a lot more than it will come February, March, April. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's the kind of game that both these teams are really, really going to want to win. Um, there's, there are like, you're talking about, some some feelings left over like we saw it some in the preseason game right where where yeah <laughs> you know the, the, the it got a little chippy jay crowder did jay crowder stuff and and, and you kind of <laughs> you're just kind of prepared for it um i'm looking forward to the matchup it's a really fun matchup here it's a really fun pair of teams in their own right beyond what they do against each other and and uh i can't wait to see them get underway um thank you very much gerald for hopping on plug away anything that you want to plug before we get you out of here. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, for any Suns fans or Lakers fans who are curious about the Suns perspective, um, I did a lot of articles in the build up to the season player season previews on the Suns over at gophnx.com. And then we also have, you know, three weekly live shows and two weekly podcasts on top of that, that we do at gophnx.com so feel free to check it out if you're interested in the sun's perspective or if you are a sun's fan listening obviously go check it out all right one more time that was gerald borgay of phnx sports uh doing the sun's coverage leading the sun's coverage over there uh, again congratulations on the launch man and, and best of luck this season thank you anthony thanks for having me